the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, this is Paola Ragusa, and you're listening to Consequence. After two long years, Mad Cool Festival returns to Madrid, Spain, from July 6th through the 10th, with an all-star lineup led by Metallica, Jack White, The Killers, Florence and the Machine, Muse, Phoebe Bridgers, Churches, Haim, St. Vincent, Imagine Dragons, and 21 Pilots. Featuring well over 100 acts playing across five days, the lineup also promises Deftones, Modest Mouse, Foles, Arlo Parks, Alt-J, Glass Animals, Youngblood, M.O., Tovlo, plus some local favorites, including Irene Gary, Bicoco, Nathi Peluso, and Guitarica de la Fuente. Incredibly, tickets to Mad Cool Festival 2022 are still available. Single-day passes for Saturday and Sunday, priced at 65 euros, can be purchased directly through the festival's website at madcoolfestival.es. That's madcool.e.s. And if you can't make it to Madrid in July, consider planning a trip for September. On September 10th, Mad Cool Sunset will bring Rage Against the Machine, Biffy Clyro, Glass Animals, Stereophonics, Lucy Dacus, Run the Jewels, Kurt Vile, Nova Twins, Belaco, and more to Madrid. Finally, from September 8th to 10th, Mad Cool Festival will stage the Andalusia Big Festival at Sacaba Beach in Malaga, Spain, with Rage Against the Machine, Muse, Jamiroquai, Run the Jewels, Glass Animals, Lucy Dacus, Kurt Vile, Nova Twins, and tons more. Tickets for both of these September events are available now as well. To preview Mad Cool, I'm here today with Giannis Philippakis of British rock band Foles, who will be taking the festival stage on Thursday, July 7th. I, I got a chance to listen to the album over the last couple weeks, and you know, you had you had mentioned with Wake Me Up, uh, you know, seven months ago now that this was gonna be a little bit of a shift for Foles and uh, that this was back to that late night sweaty dance floor. And obviously I took you at your, your word, but I, I was really surprised at kind of the, the overall sound of this album and really, really impressed. I just, I think okay, it's cool. so, such, a, such a great return to this kind of Foles dynamic that I had come to like expect, but it definitely like kind of reached out and and grabbed me in a way that I was really just like pleasantly surprised by. 
Um, and I oh. just want to say congratulations because it's it's just another phenomenal Fools album. Um, Great, thank you. Absolutely. So since Wake Me Up, it's been about, yeah, seven months, um, and you guys yeah. are about to put out this exuberant record. So what has what what else has happened in the last seven months? Uh, how does it feel now that you're right next to the, uh, the album release? It, it feels good. Um, we've been touring a bit, which has been amazing. I think... Um, you know, it was interesting when we when we talked before. We, we you know there wasn't really any activity around the music, so yeah. we were, we put out "Wake Me Up," but there was like no shows. No, it was yeah. still a little bit in 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 the tail of that COVID thing. And and I didn't particularly enjoy the process of just releasing music into a kind of digital void, as it were. It just felt yeah. like oh, there's no kind of like reciprocal energy uh, that meant something to me, you know? And then the moment we started playing shows, it was just like, oh, this is, this is what this, now it all connects, you know, cause we're playing wake me up as the, as the opening song of the tour and people are just going off straight from the straight from the top. They're singing along. And, um, yeah, we did, we did like a, a really kind of life affirming tour in the UK. We played out to the most people we've ever played in the UK. Um, in London, we did like 40,000 people in, in, over four nights, it was it was nuts, and um, it just felt really good. And we played and we played some other new songs off the records. We played like two AM, so I played two thousand and one. Life is yours, yeah. Just the new set is feeling good, and it's it, we're in a good place. And I think especially because of the way the record was written, where you know we 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 were kind of almost we didn't we didn't think about you know when we were, when we were writing it, just felt that it, it felt potentially that the idea of releasing a record and playing live was quite remote. We didn't know what the scope of how long. COVID was going to be and what and what the ramifications were for, for touring and and for our band basically so now that we're actually like what like eight I don't know how many days it was like nine days away or something and it's actually coming out and the world has kind of re-emerged and is seemingly ready in some respects to get together and have a party and have a good time and to kind of try and forge and you know just just to kind of shake off the shackles of those past two years then then you know we couldn't be happier basically we feel like the record is arriving at the right time absolutely yeah i love that it's just summer it's high summertime right now and i just feel like this is so perfect yeah. for that uh i want to talk a little bit about yeah some of the uh the kind of specific sounds of this record and this kind of dis disco you know very uh timeless style of kind of disco dance rock uh, so how do you feel like this album kind of continues or adds to the Foles legacy? It's a tricky one. I think it's different from, yeah, I think um, it's different to any record we've made. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like, I mean, I, I, I didn't, I don't know. Sometimes when we're making the record, I'm not aware of how different it is. You know, sometimes it's like, I sometimes think something is further progressed and then it gets released and fans are like, oh, this one just feels like this song from the past yeah and then other times i think that um it's 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 a very natural progression that doesn't feel like a jump and other and, and, and sometimes on those occasions and i'm finding that somewhat with this record and some of the responses that i've come across to this record that like people feel surprised by some of the textures or some of like some of the outlook of the record and and actually i do get, in a way like i do understand that but um i think that it is it's the most unified album in terms of feel i think that it's it, it, you know and quite in, in many ways intentionally we didn't want to have the, the the kind of huge polarity in the songwriting we didn't want to have like um the shifts and we wanted the record to be more of uh, of a journey through 
this like going for a walk through the same park you know you're going like you're starting off somewhere and you you are there's diversity and there's richness within the space that you're in but you're in one space you're not getting thrown from pillar to post mm-hmm. um so i think that's a difference um but then in other ways i actually think to me like a song like wake me up isn't massively different from my number or or even in degrees and a song like 2001 to me like the verses of it i feel like we could have written that in antidotes era maybe the chorus yeah. is different <laughs> but like but you know um the chorus is like one of our most kind of like unadulterated bits of pop writing I think that we've ever done but like the verses to me feel like something that we would have written you know in 2007 so there's there's yeah yeah, it's 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 uh yeah I love that you know I've also kind of noticed too that it seems you know especially compared to everything not saved will be lost which was you know both of those albums were so sprawling and had a lot of these big urgent statements and I feel like this album Obviously, it does feel really charged by the moment, right? We were all inside, we were all stuck. um, And there's this kind of like brightness, this heaven that's waiting on the other side. And I feel like you really do sort of, you know, encapsulate that. But it also seems less concerned with making some kind of big statement and more concerned Mm. with uh, the experience and more concerned with this sort of like impetus to let loose. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Yeah, I just, um, it just come, it just came from a different place. And it's like, I have to follow like an intuitive voice in writing. And after, you know, in in that period of everything not saved, like, um, there were, you know, I felt that the fertile place to go to and the bit that I was attracted to with the lyrics were themes that were big Mm -hmm. and they were big, common anxieties. And, they were directly inspired by like the events of the of 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 that present, mm-hmm. and with this record, I mean, for one thing, I just felt repelled by anything too heavy emotionally. In yeah. a way, I just didn't want to kind of add to the the, the like the weight of what was going on, and I, and I, and then and you know, and then I just started to think about music um, as a transportive power and also that it would be cool to make something defiantly radiant you know just something that's like like you know like just something that shimmers and yeah. is um and um can transport you but it, yeah you're right it's not like i think lyrically it isn't dealing with like big big slogan big theme kind of anxiety you know issues that's not to say that i'm not interested in those issues personally still but i just didn't think it's like I also don't really like to kind of repeat the lyrical approach from one record to another, maybe, or at least I, try, I you know, I feel like there has to be some shit. So I, I, I did an interview with somebody in, in Europe who was like, oh, so it seems weird that, you know, you were like really concerned by, um, or preoccupied with like these big themes on everything not saved. And then on this record, it's just like, every, I'm not saying that everything, but by, just because the fact that the record doesn't deal with big anxieties, it doesn't mean that I'm um, personally not oh, still definitely. concerned. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, but it's just, it's not, you know, it's like, you know, the muse didn't, didn't kind of like, I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling, I didn't want to go to that place. So. Definitely. I totally get that. I think also like there is this sort of, I guess this need right now on, and I really notice it, you know, with a lot of the new rock that's come out of England that you are, you know, I think all art is political, right? And any time that you have a platform to say something, you're going to, you know, say what you have to say. But like, I do think that there is this 
hyper focus on that kind of lyrical content and what you guys were really working with on everything not saved and it feels like it's very liberating for you guys to sort of put a pin in that and then just go back to something that's you know like you had said very primal and very uh bursting with energy and with life and like that is yeah. super life affirming um and i love that i think it really comes across on the album cool thank you yeah i mean yeah i i think um it, it's almost like i can't you know if 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 we were to write another record and start it tomorrow, it might be something where it's going to deal with like Boris Johnson's, you know, inability to fucking do anything correctly. But <laughs> in that in, in that in that space of um, if you'd see, in a way, if people, if it's, I think that um, we were writing in this kind of Spartan, frugal, depressed, like kind of lifeless environment, and whatever it, it just the result was this. So so whatever the result is is the result. <laughs> I love that you guys did get a chance to go back on the road and kind of rekindle that spirit. Um, and we had chatted last time, and I'm, I'm just always, always curious about this uh, because I love to rip up the road so much. You know, I'm, I'm always curious about like what that dynamic is between you three as you're kind of, you know, finally back in that our energies. Again. But yeah, so like, you know, did did it feel what what about getting together and played the, playing those shows, did anything feel different than some of the stuff that you covered in Rip Up the Road about that kind of energy between, you know, it used to be you four, but now just you three. Um, and also with the crowd sizes and the whole energy of the crowd, was there anything different at all about like kind of getting back into that space? I mean, other, other than like the, the kind of extra level of palpable excitement of people you know what was kind of weird was in London was um, I could almost sense like that in the first song. I think first off, I think that it was quite a few people's first show back as an, in yeah. the crowd. So there was there was an element of like seeing people realizing, oh, it's okay, we can like get into the pit and yeah. you know rub up on each other and have that kind of have one of those experiences. But there was like a timidity at the beginning, you know, um, mm -hmm. right at the beginning of the set and actually kind of in the beginning of the tour, but. But I think also it just, both for us and I think, I mean, I can't speak on behalf of the crowd, but like I, I kind of sensed and I, I definitely felt in turn, like I, within the band that we felt a kind of, there was an added pathos, I guess, to the shows or like an added emotion by the end because like just a kind of um, a, a disbelief that um, at, at the fact that that stuff is over and we're getting to play again and there was like just an extra power to it. And, and I think as a band as well, that, you know, you never know, how long a band is going to last and like you know i didn't it wasn't a, i didn't think we didn't have serious conversations about not pursuing things but that but you never you, know, you don't know what could have happened and i think just i think we just felt thankful to be back on stage and and not only be back on stage but like you know it's some of the biggest and best shows of our career and we felt like we were playing really well um and the new light show is sick and stuff so yeah it was just it was just great and it was basically just slightly heightened i think by, yeah. by the but yeah, it was, a, it was a heightened vibe. And we've got, I mean, we've got Glastonbury in a couple of weeks and that hasn't been on for three years. And that's going to be, I think, you know, yeah. this is the thing is, but because, because things were denied us, um, when they come back, they come back with a greater uh, potency. And I think that that's true on every level. It's certainly with us, like with the shows, it's just more potent. Absolutely. I did want to ask about Glastonbury. Uh, I wish I could go this year. I was really looking forward to it, but- uh, Have alas. you been? 
I have never been. That's like the that's my white whale of a music festival. Because I, I told you last yeah, time, man. I'm a big Coachella person, so that was always kind yeah. of my festival. And Glastonbury is a different kind of Coachella. <laughs> yes, it very is very different. It's, yes. Um, but, uh, I've always wanted to go and I feel like, yeah, this, this year, you know, you guys have a really prime slot. Um, yeah. What do you feel like the energy is going to be like for that show? I I think it's genuinely going to be amazing. I mean, we've never played like, I think to to close the other stage is like, I mean, it's kind of an honor. It's not something we ever thought we would do. And, um, yeah, we just, I think it's just going to be just super emotional. I, 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 you know. Every the last few times we've played Glastonbury, it's like you know, I, I never went to Glastonbury before we went as a band. Really? And, and the first few years, if I was, yeah, and because it's, yeah, I mean, for a variety of reasons, but like partly because I just didn't like big crowds and big festivals and stuff. But, uh, and I had a slight, you know, I was overwhelmed the first few times we went. And then I didn't necessarily want to spend time there. I didn't perhaps understand the magic of Glastonbury. And the last few, so basically since 2000, it's a while now, but since, since we did it on the Holy Fire tour, something clicked and I was like, oh, this is, I, I get this now. And like, it's, to me, it is, it's the spiritual home for, for British music in certain ways, you know? It's like, it, it, it is the most important calendar date in a way, you know, other than maybe your own big show that's like spiritually significant to the band. Like, other than that, it's Glasgow. So the fact that we've got the slot that we do and it's after three years of it not being on, I think, you know, something... Yeah, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be yeah. amazing. Amazing. Well, uh, luckily, too, I, I won't be able to go to Glastonbury, but I am actually going to Mad Cool Festival in Madrid this year. Consequence oh, cool. of the whole partnership uh, with Mad Cool this year, which is really oh, cool because I've, I've never been to a, a festival in Spain. Um, I caught I caught you guys in the Netherlands uh, at Lowlands back in the what okay, went cool. down era because I was studying abroad, so I was like, well, I gotta go to this festival. Yeah, uh, Lowlands is decent. Yeah, that that Lowlands set that you guys did was, I mean, that was that is a legendary set for me. I will never ever oh, ever forget that. That was so amazing. What was I'm trying to remember what what happened that year? I can't remember, but it was, um, it was late. I, there was one year we were there with Heim. We were there with Heim one year that was fun. Oh, that's great. Yeah. This was 2016 and you were in this big tent um, and it was very open. Okay. Like It didn't have any dividers and it was on the last day of the festival. And I, I came out of the pit with a black eye. I'll like never forget that. Uh, but I had, cool. I, and I was with my dad too. And my dad was in the pit. <laughs> oh, so oh man, like, cool. But anyway, uh, I did want to ask you a little bit about, you know, because you guys have done so many festivals and particularly in Spain. I do think you have played Mad Cool Festival before. Yes, we have. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was curious about if there's if there's maybe a difference in energy, uh, because I feel like Spain has a a really big culture of rock music there. And yeah, and just so vibrant about rock music. Would you attest to that at all? Yeah, I would. Yeah. I'm, I, and not just rock. I mean, I think that also, I mean, I just think that the Spanish love music and they, they have a good taste in music. Mm-hmm. Um, we always used to play this club in Barcelona called Razmataz that was just awesome. And like we would go there and the set time would start at 3 a.m. You know, we'd go with like be knackered or whatever. And they'd be like, every other show on the tour is like at nine, you know, 9 p.m. And then you yeah. get to Razmataz and be like, oh, cool, cool, sweet. So we've got to play at 3 a.m. and our flight the next day to the next shows are like 8 a.m. But then, and then you'd get there 
and we'd play and it would just be like it'd be worth any tiredness that you had to endure because they just the crowds are just so like um expressive really mm-hmm. and we've played yeah uh, yeah we played magical before we had an awesome show there i think the lineup's really great it's not like we're in some other countries rock music's been phased out of the perceived um festival draw you know like aren't deftones playing this year the deftones playing yeah, with us i think i don't yeah. know and metallica yeah a lot of good guys <laughs> oh we got we're going rock uh yeah no, it's gonna be sick you know i just like it's a great vibe playing spain and i'm just like happy to be back in europe um and playing in europe and yeah it's gonna be great it's gonna be Amazing. great yeah and I, I i'm very curious too about this new set that you guys have too you know uh what songs from the new album are you most looking forward to trying out live i mean that you've already done I mean- but- Anything. Yeah, I mean, 2001, 2001 is like feeling very good as a live song, even before it, even before it came out and anyone heard it, um, it would seem to be connecting, you know, in a way that um, it's unusual for a song that's unreleased. Life is Yours feels really good. Basically, you know, everything we're playing already feels feels good. But I'd say 2001, like, is, is the highlight of the new stuff so far for us. Um, and then from songs that we haven't played yet, but are on the new album, I'm going to say the one I'm excited about probably playing will be Flutter. I think Flutter's got a big riff in it. I like that it's a bit more chilled. Yeah, we'll just get to crank some distortion pedals on that one. Oh, yeah. You have to have a moment of that. You must. Yeah, Uh, definitely. I also noticed, you you know, you really did this a lot, I think, on Everything Not Saved Will Be Lost. Um, But I've noticed that your falsetto is so prominent. And I think because, you know, there's some disco influences and it seems like Mm -hmm. it's a lighter album as opposed to having these kind of heavy bellows. Um, But yeah, how how do you feel vocally you've really changed, uh, not just over the last few years, but since the very beginning? Oh, I mean, so much, man. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I wasn't really, you know, I've said this before, but I don't um, but like I wasn't really a singer, you know. I wasn't like in the band in the bands the four foals. I didn't really the singing was sort of incidental. It was like I was largely instrumentally. I was much more a guitarist. Mm-hmm. And when we did antidotes, you know, I took on the helm of being a singer, not because I especially wanted to sing, but more just because I was the only person that would write lyrics, probably, you know. Yeah, and I was sort of the I was sort of the, you know the control freak in the band. So I you know I didn't want to necessarily you know, I want to, you know, it was kind of, um, um, it, it had to be me, basically. But yeah, I didn't, you know, when we were writing antidotes, we were playing house, but I didn't even have a mic. So, you know, when we were, when we would write those songs like Balloons, some of those really early songs like Balloons, Two Steps, the French Open on antidotes, the room that we were in, we, we didn't have a PA, we didn't have a mic. So I would shout just it. shout. <laughs> yeah, I'd just shout and um, I could never really hear what it sounded like. So then when we got to the studio with Sitek and um, Do Sitek and, New York, you know, I think there was definitely some moments where I was like, oh Christ, that's what my voice sounds like. And, you know, and I want, you know, I, you know, I think I'd say, yeah, I just was an inexperienced singer. I was inexperienced basically. And, um, and then over the years, you know, like with Total Life Forever, I learned that I could sing falsetto. So Spanish Sahara was the first real time I sung falsetto properly on a record. And I, and then uh, from, from then on, I kind of felt like I grew um, as a singer you know, I, I got, I, I, I harnessed more of a, um, I'd say like a kind of classic, or I had the ability to sing in, in more of a, you know, more of a rock style, you know, songs like Inhaler, I guess. And yeah, it just, I just felt like I actually enjoyed singing as well. So I, I, I would write more for the voice than perhaps I had in the past. 
Um, I think, you know, initially when I was, I would write a guitar line and then it would be like, oh, well, that could be a vocal, you know? Whereas after, as time went on, I'd write vocal lines. Um, and now I feel like my voice is, yeah, you're right about it. There being more falsetto. That's largely in, in relation, you know, to how it connects to the music. I'm actually, weirdly, I've quit smoking since I talked. Yeah, I've quit smoking. And, um, but, but ironically, I'm actually having, I'm finding that I need to be more cautious of my voice on tour, which is weird. So maybe it's because it's kind of recalibrating after all the, all the years of punishment that endured <laughs> at the hands of Camel Blues. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, it's like a, it's a reflexive part of your body. It'll 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 improve, and you know, yeah. over time. Yeah, I loved in in looking high. Uh, one of my that's one of my favorites on the album. Just some of those little oh, cool. high notes that you're hitting are really oh, that high, man. Because you're also singing really quickly. Like that's such a challenging, yeah. such a challenging thing. Um, yeah. But yeah. So that's pretty much all the questions I have. I do want to ask you, you know, one, a couple quick more questions. Uh, first of all, sure. do you guys have any North American plans that you can tell me about yet? Or uh, yeah, we do. I mean, I think we're we're literally about to announce something like this week. So oh, yeah, we feel we're going to be coming back soon. And we're really excited about it. It's um, yeah, it's going to be a meaty, meaty tour. I think it's going to be good. Amazing. I had I mentioned this last time, but I'm still hoping for that local natives uh fools. I know. I know, me too, man. Me too. But yeah, I don't think yeah, we should we should we should try and just do it again. I think they're writing <laughs> well, though at the moment or something. I think they're they're working on a new record too, yeah. So maybe it'll line up in a perfect perfect tour time. Uh the last question that I want to ask you just kind of goes back since you know this is such a big album and you know, you guys have had such an amazing career. You know, what would you, if you could go back in time and tell you, Yanis, recording antidotes, uh, a piece of advice for the future or um, a bit of wisdom? Well, I'd say, I'd say two things. Um, I'd say enjoy it. Don't worry quite so much. Don't be so anxious. And put a bit more reverb on some of the vocals. <laughs> Amazing. And maybe, and, yeah, maybe tweak the mix. Tweak the mix. <laughs> yeah.